Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Talk about the Australian Open. Uh, the atmosphere has gone through the roof here at Karaka, lot 344. Um, and I'm just looking at the blood. I'm no breeding expert, New Zealand. But in its bloodlines, it's got Lonro, it's got Ifraj, it's got Octagonal, Zabil, um, Saddle as well. That doesn't mean anything to me, Rebecca. Uh, so Tristram's in there, Imperial Belt, and it's just had half a million. This is the biggest one I've witnessed today. I don't know whether it is the biggest one. We are live from Karaka Sales which is the biggest week on the horse breeding um, calendar here in New Zealand. So it's just stuck at 500,000. It roared up quite... In fact, there's people taking photos of the TV screen that's showing that the bid is 500,000. So a lot of the international visitors. So maybe this is quite big. This is quite impressive. And there's uh, now a bit of a hush as they wait for another bid. Anyway, we've had a couple of weeks of fantastic tennis over there in Melbourne at the Tennis Centre, the Australian Open, the Novak Djokovic Open, I'd like to call it. Um, I wouldn't like to call it, but I'm sort of forced to call it. Joining us as he did last week, I loved our chat with Drew Lilly, who's over there at the Australian Open, or was the Australian Open, and probably decompressing now a little bit. Uh, Welcome, and Drew, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Staffy. Nice to be with you again. Um, Gosh, uh, somewhat of an Easy, is there such a thing as an easy Grand Slam for a tennis player like uh, Novak Djokovic? Yes and no. If you look at it on paper, you think, well, there we go. He's won it 10 times in a row. He's absolutely unbeatable. It's like putting Rafael Nadal on the clay in Paris. You think, well, it's him against the field. It's as simple as that. But I think that Djokovic really did it tough this year. When you look at everything that happened last year, the fact that he got to Australia on a bit of a technicality when you needed to be double vaccinated to get in. Uh, and the fact that he was, he ended up being deported. Uh, I, I actually, so he practiced at one point. He, he got into Melbourne and was practicing on, I think it was Margaret Court Arena. And I happened to be there at the time. It was about three or four days before the tournament started. And he was in there and I thought, right, well, he's definitely going to play then. And then a couple of days later, he was escorted out of the country like something on the Border Force TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's carried that with him for the entire year. The fact that he couldn't play in the U.S. Open as well because he wasn't vaccinated. And he's really had a chip on his shoulder, but in a good way. And he's used that and the fact that he had the hamstring injury a little bit as well. And then just with a couple of days to go, his father ends up being caught on camera. As anyone who does anything who's got any kind of profile nowadays, you end up getting caught on camera or on video. And there he is with pro-Russian supporters behind a flag with Putin's face on it, maybe saying, long live the Russians, maybe not, who knows. But he has all that to deal with as well. 
So if you look at it in the history books in years to come, you're just going to think, well, he cruised through, he only dropped one set. He's almost unbeatable when you get to the Australian Open. But when you actually consider everything he went through, he's been through for the last 52 weeks, and then for the past two weeks here, just getting into the country and the whole Ferrari that was surrounding that, uh, and then managing to channel all of this frustration. You saw it at the end of the tournament where he broke down in tears when he was with his box, clambered back down, got onto his bench, stuck his head in a towel, burst into tears again. There was a heck of a lot of emotion there that all came pouring out at about 10.30 last night. Is it a testament to his mental strength? A few of the things you, you, you mentioned there, um, like the vaccination and the, and the chip on his shoulder, the treatment of his father, and then the hamstring injury. An incredible last 12 months off the court. To be able to park all that in the players' tunnel before you take the hard court and then do do your business with your tools of trade, I think that's a big tick for Novak. It certainly is, and it's one of the main attributes of any tennis player because you lose so many points, you lose so many games. You know, if you win a set 6-4, then you've lost four games, and four times the chair umpire has said, game the name of your opponent and you just have to put those behind you it's not like other matches where you, other sports where you you can you can win with, with a clean sheet you know you you're permanently having to take little defeats on board be it points be it games be it sets so that's something that the best tennis players have and you can have tennis players that are technically brilliant and have so much power, but mentally, if they haven't got it, then they're just not going to get to the top of their sports. And we've seen that with lots of people. And you look at Nick Kyrgios, he can maybe channel it for a couple of weeks, but then you always think something's going to happen here and it's going to knock him completely out of whack. And that's the last we're going to see of him for a week, a month, a year, maybe a career. Whereas with Djokovic, he seems to have absolutely honed that over the past decade and a half. He was a little bit fragile mentally earlier in his career, and we are talking a decade and a half ago. And he was also a little bit fragile physically. And he would it was a combination of the two. He would start picking up a little bit of a backache in the third set when he was two sets down, and he got a reputation for pulling out of matches, and other players didn't particularly like him for it. And it was half physical, half mental. And he's physically now... Well, if, if you look at the fact that he had this hamstring injury, his coach, Goran Ivanisevic, the 2001 Wimbledon champion, said that 97% of other players would have just pulled out of the tournament with that kind of injury. They wouldn't have bothered turning up. But Djokovic, uh, much along the lines of Nadal this time last year who was having injections on his foot purely to be able to play and couldn't feel his foot while he was playing, but just trusted it to move around. It's, it's half physical, but it's incredibly mental as well, and it's something that Djokovic has in absolute spades. Women's side of the draw, Sabalenka Rubikina. Um, one of them had dropped one set all tournament going into the final. The other one hadn't dropped one. 
And I said to you last week, it's very rare in the women's game to have so many straight sets victory. It was always going to be a three-setter, incredibly even match. I was thoroughly entertained. It was probably the match of the tournament, wasn't it? And you, mm. you get to the final weekend and you think, I really hope we have at least one final that lives, lives up to its billing. And the djokovic Tsitsipas final probably wasn't it. It ended up being straight sets. There was one breaker service for Tsitsipas, uh, but even when he got to the tiebreakers, you think Novak knows what he's doing here. He's going to put it on Tsitsipas's backhand all the time, and Tsitsipas doesn't seem to have an answer. He, he's taking too much on his backhand. You look at the women's game the night before, and it was absolutely brilliant and thrilling all the way through. And Arena Sabalenka, who was in her first Grand Slam final, and had, if you compare her with last year, when throughout the season she hit 440 double faults. She was mm. the self-styled queen of double faults. And mentally, as we've been talking about today and also last week, Staffy, she just wasn't there. And she ended up working with a psychologist as well as a biomechanic expert to get her service right. Also worked with Mark Philippoussis, who has one of the best services uh, of this century, probably. And she put it all together and then recently said to her psychologist, OK, I'm not going to come and see you anymore because asking you questions and getting answers from you, it's all well and good. I need to go out and do it on a tennis court seven times every other day in a Grand Slam and do it for myself. And you can have a little bit of on-court coaching nowadays, but you still need to do it yourself. You can't have it. It's not like going to your local tennis club, getting the club pro out um, stopping halfway through a point or a service, saying, what am I doing wrong? And he or she comes out and points it out to you. You can't do that at this level. And she needed to solve these questions herself, Sabalenka. And she did. And it was an utterly thrilling final. She got a little bit nervous towards the end. There was a double fault on a first match point, but put that behind her. She then started uh, adjusting a service a little bit, going to Rebakina's backhand, it really did seem as if she's figured out so much. And then you had Rybakina on the other side, who is almost the opposite. You'd never see any emotion from her. When she won Wimbledon, there was a little bit of a fist pump, and you think, well, maybe she's just won a, a club match, and that's it. No, she'd actually won Wimbledon. But she keeps it all under wraps. And the sheer power and accuracy of the hitting from the two of them was absolutely wonderful and it really bodes well for the future because these two early to mid-twenties, if they keep going, plus Igor Sviatek, plus others to come, maybe Ash Barty will come back at some point and think, oh, I'm missing out here. It's absolutely, it, it speaks to a great future for women's tennis. It really does, and I actually took the time to do a little bit of um, <clears throat> background check because I like to know a little bit more about the athlete when they're performing on the biggest stage, and Rebecca's backstory is fascinating how she changed allegiance from Russia to Kazakhstan, I think it was. And, um, that's right, just, that's right. Fit, yeah. She only trained tennis as a youngster for two hours a day. The rest of the time she was fitness. She was fitness, 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 and she only chose tennis because she was too tall for gymnastics and something else it's a, it, hers is an amazing story ice skating it was ice skating ah. yes exactly yes and she is six foot tall and she's a genuine six footer 
Yeah, <laughs> a lot of us sort of say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm six foot and it's five foot ten and a half on a good day if you're wearing a cap. But she actually is six <laughs> foot tall and she was far too big to be a far too tall to be a gymnast and also for ice skating. And I think a lot of it is, is also the fact that you, you need to be a reasonably well-rounded person. And if you've just been brought up on tennis, uh, then uh, well, it's like the, the cricket journalist from the Caribbean, uh, C.L. James, said, what know they of cricket that only cricket know? You need perspective. You need to be able to see what's going on in the rest of the world and know that tennis, it's not the be-all and end-all, and that helps you to, to focus if you know that there are other things. And, and then you look at the likes of Andre Agassi, who, if you're to believe his autobiography, hated virtually every point of tennis that he ever played because his father got him out there at the age of four or five and was just hitting against him for hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, and it's no wonder that he and Steffi Graf ended up together because they had similar fathers who just pushed them right from an incredibly early age. So when you've played other sports, then you get a bit more of a perspective on things. You get uh, a perspective on what it's like to play in a team or to to do you have different needs different stretching exercises you do uh, you build up different muscles you approach things in a different way mentally as well so i think it's it's great for someone to play a lot of sports and then focus on one as she has done and she also had the change in nationality that was about five years ago now and that's turned out to be an absolutely wonderful move for her uh it's, it's something that she's had to avoid talking about you you could never have predicted that a couple of years ago or even barely even this time last year but the fact that we had two belarusians one russian-born um Kazakhstani playing in the, the semi-finals then uh, quite ironic at the moment but it's great for her that uh, there was less of a focus on that uh, she wasn't playing under the Russian flag or no flag at all which is what we've had for the Russian and Belarusian players here and she didn't have to answer too many questions about that they could just go out and have what was an absolutely wonderful final and people not really focusing on the politics, thank goodness. Mm. Hey, Drew, um, I could talk to you all day. Um, I really appreciate you coming and chatting to the people across New Zealand. You, you've covered it so well for us. I uh, appreciate your time and love to catch up with you again sometime. Absolutely any time, Staffy. And talking about the people across New Zealand, then all all my best wishes to everyone at the moment who's doing it tough uh we had terrible flooding here in on the east coast of australia where i live last year so we've got a little bit of an idea of what people are going through but we know you're really doing it tough at the moment so all my very best wishes to all of you listeners and on behalf of all them we really appreciate your sentiments drew thanks so much buddy my pleasure anytime Safi. Cheers, mate. Drew Lilly, just a wonderful journalist in general. Give him a follow on social media. He covers so many things. Uh, we will take a break on the other side. All going well. Jesse Gow has organised. Stephen Marsh, one of the best trainers in the country. He'll join us after this break.